It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, everything is still in front of the Oklahoma City Thunder as we get ready for the post-All-Star break run. How will this season unfold? Plus your mailbag questions all coming up on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel. We're going to dive into everything being in front of the Thunder so far post-All-Star break. Your mailbag questions ranging from the draft to free agency, to the trade market. Should you have any concerns about Chet Holmgren? And will this team make the postseason all coming up? Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Every single morning, every single day, we're here for you, Sock and Thunder Basketball, for your next listen. Go check out the Locked On NBA show as well. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Here we are. It's Thursday morning, and that means that the NBA season is back this evening, and the Thunder will play their first game since the All-Star break in Utah tonight. And everything is still in front of OKC. Despite the preseason noise, despite the preseason expectation, 
It's all laid out for OKC with 25 games left. Of those 25 games left, four games are against the Eastern Conference and 21 games are against the West. So they're going to play the teams that they need to beat to hold on to this final play-in spot. They have four games remaining of the Utah Jazz who are trailing them right now by half a game, including tonight in Utah. There's two games left against the Lakers who are poised to make a run post-trade deadline. LeBron James is calling this uh, you know, the most important stretch of his career, one of the most important stretches of his career. So it's clear that the Lakers do not want to miss the playoffs you know, in this season. They have four games left against the Suns, although Friday's matchup will not include Kevin Durant, who is poised to make his debut next Wednesday in Charlotte. Two games left, both at home against Sacramento, two games left against the Warriors, and two games left against the Clippers, although both of those Clippers games are in L.A. They also have games with the Spurs, the Pistons, the Hornets, and the Pacers, which are going to be considered must-win games. If you're going to make the play-in, you have to beat the Pistons, you have to beat the Hornets, and you have to take care of the Pacers as well. And the Spurs, of course. And then the last game of the season, they play Memphis, who is one of the teams that could, in this topsy-turvy and extremely competitive West, have their slot at number two solidified. They could not, but at least they have a shot to have that two seed locked up and maybe rest some of their guys. As it sits right now, heading into the first game back from the All-Star break in the unofficial second half of the season, while mathematically it's not even close to the second half, it's viewed in the NBA as the second half of the season, the Thunder sit 28 and 29. In that 10th seed, and if the season ended today, they would be in the postseason. The Jazz are at 11, the Blazers are at 12, and the Lakers are at 13. We just went over how... They have it all in front of them. They've already taken care of the tiebreaker with Portland. They play the 11-seeded Jazz four times. If you beat them all four times or three out of four, you're going to be ranked ahead of them. And the Lakers, a couple more games on the docket against LA. You've already beat them once. You need one more of those two games to get the tiebreaker over LA uh, with the Lakers. Like, these are important games. And this season can still go a multitude of ways. The Thunder are only a game back of the seventh seed. They're a game and a half back of the sixth seed, which would be them avoiding the playing tournament altogether and just being a playoff team and facing off with the three seed in the playoffs. But they're also three games back of the seventh worst record in the league. They're also three and a half games back of the sixth worst record in the league. That sixth worst record, that represents a 9% chance at Victor Wembanyama and a 37.2% chance at a top four pick. They're five and a half back of the fifth uh, worst record, and they're 12 and a half back of the third worst record. So realistically, this team can land anywhere from the sixth worst record to the seventh best record, at least in the West for the seventh best record. There's no bad outcome here because as we mentioned before, even if this team falters, and then even if this team takes a dive down to like the sixth worst record in the league, that still creates an abundance of a chance to move up in a draft lottery that's been flattened and a draft lottery in which we've seen teams jump up every year since that change. You could be the lucky team this year that leaps into the top four of a very good draft class. It's all in front of them, both in a way of making the playoffs and in a way of making a run at a top lottery pick. And neither outcome of those two things is a bad one. I would also argue that right now, of the teams chasing OKC for that play-in spot, the Thunder are playing the best. 
I think if you strip away the resumes, if you strip away the the history, if you strip away the postseason, the preseason expectations of these teams, you would agree that the Thunder's resume is the best. That the Thunder should be able to hold on to this playing spot. However, development is still at the forefront of the Thunder's mind and it's at the forefront of the fan base's mind. And this is another key piece for development. Well, it will not be necessarily tinkering with lineups or or playing uh, young guys a ton of minutes that don't deserve it. It's still development in the sense of you go from a team that people overlook, a team that people you know rest against, a team that people do not take seriously, to now being a team that teams are hunting, that teams have to leapfrog, that teams have to take seriously. For the Jazz to make the play-in, they've got to win tonight. They've got to take care of you on, the, on their home floor. For the Lakers to make the play-in and LeBron not to suffer another season where he does not make the playoffs, he has to win these couple of games against OKC remaining on the schedule, including next Wednesday in OKC. So you're going to see LeBron James play in OKC. You're going to see LeBron James, one of the best players we've ever seen play the sport, and arguably the best player we've ever seen play the sport, be on a mission against your team, against the youngest team in the NBA, against the second youngest team in NBA history, only ahead of last year's Thunder squad. So this is going to be developmental minutes for them. Even as they're playing games of consequence, you have to now see how does this young team react to now being in the driver's seat for a play-in spot to now being a team that game, teams are game-planning for, teams are trying to beat, teams are going all out and, and flustering throughout the course of a game. How do you react to that? And if you react very well to that, you'll be in the play-in. If you react like most young teams have reacted throughout the course of NBA history, you'll then juice your lottery odds and be able to take that and learn from it for the future and for next season. Whenever you're poised to make another run, as you add back Chet Holmgren, as you add in your first-round pick this year, and you sit on a mountain of draft picks to go make other moves if you want to this summer. So you can see where either direction this team takes is a great one. And either direction includes development. That's never lost on OKC. You're either going to see them develop as a team and go from a team that everyone overlooks to being able to adjust and learn how to win games and close up games as teams then try to gun for you or put on film and put and put into the ecosystem of this team, them kind of not having the correct mindset as they get hunted now and learning from it. Either way, there's a lot to learn from this second half of the season, these last 25 games. And if they do wind up in the play-in, It'll be because this young core is ahead of schedules because this young core is able to earn it. Like th- that will be significant. Even if it's just playing in a play-in game, that's significant because it shows you the makeup of this young roster, even without their only top five pick of this rebuild. And if they miss the play-in, that's still awesome as well, because we talked about the lottery. We talked about how good this 20, 2023 draft class is, and there's still a ton of positive signs to point to along the way. So I'm excited for it. And I want you to drop it down in the comment section right now on YouTube. Drop it in the comment section on YouTube on Lockdown Thunder YouTube channel. Drop it on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Let me know, do you think this team will make the NBA play-in or playoffs or not? Will they be in the play-in or playoffs or will they be in the lottery? Let me know on YouTube, Lockdown Thunder, on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. But it's all in front of them right now. And if I had to guess right now, I think they're going to make the play-in. I really do. I, I, I don't see a team... 
uh, necessarily leapfrogging them for a, a better example than well they just well they're just the Lakers, right? Like if if you have to take away the 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 example of well it's LeBron, well it's the Lakers, well it's Dame. If you, if you take away all of those kind of crutches and have to do it based upon how they've played this season, there's not a ton of reasons for why the Thunder would not make the play-in. Again, strip away the resumes. I mean, strip away the, the, the names on the resumes. Strip away the history and the expectations of these teams coming in and let the resumes speak for themselves. The Thunder, I think, have the best resume of teams chasing that 10th seed. Now, they've got to go out there and earn it. They've got to go out there and prove it. They're going to have their shot to, starting tonight. This is a big game in Utah. And we'll talk about that coming up as well as your mailbag questions on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. But I want to hear from you. Do you think that this team will be in the play-in or not? As we hear from our good friends over at FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel app. It's America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and is easy to use. You can then bet on everything from the money line to the point spread to points scored, three-pointers drained, rebounds collected by individuals and by teams. So go there right now to FanDuel.com. And whenever you get to FanDuel.com, you can bet on any NBA game that you want to. For example, tonight's game, Thunder Jazz. The Thunder are two-point underdogs on the road at Vivid Arena in Utah. You can bet on them to pull off the upset and get a huge jumpstart jolt into their play-in chase at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on for your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of the NBA. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder Basketball. For your next listen, go check out the Locked in NBA podcast. And again, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. Let's dive into your mailbag questions. Ask for your mailbag questions last week and this week. So we're going to kind of compile both of them and talk about whatever's on your mind from the Thunder ranging to the draft to free agency, uh, Chet Holmgren, and so much more. Let's start with uh, Brolin Raburn. In next year's draft, who do you think that OKC will select in the ranges, you know, fifth pick to the 10th pick? And also, is Brandon Miller's draft stock down for OKC, given his recent news? Uh, as far as the Brandon Miller situation, 
Obviously, it does not seem like he will be on the Thunder's radar just given with the Thunder value. Uh, but that story is very fluid. We don't really know what's happening. His 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 representation put out a a, a press release on uh, Wednesday. You can go you can go read as well. In terms of his draft stock, like in the, in the entire NBA, I'm not sure how down it's going to be. But for the Thunder, I would be surprised if they took Brendan Miller after what's transpired over the last few weeks uh, from Alabama. And we'll leave it at that for the Thunder in terms of like who they'd pick five through ten if they get there. Uh, Drews Walker would be the biggest name that I that I think would be an awesome addition for OKC. As kind of that high end, I think it'll go you know fifth you know or sixth or somewhere in that range to where things would really have to change for OKC to land up there, uh, or at least get a lot of lottery luck to land up there. But I think that he'd be a perfect fit for OKC. I love the way that Nick Smith Jr. is coming on lately at Arkansas. Uh, but Grady Dick is another guy that I think would be perfect for OKC as a complimentary piece for this team and as a, as a guy that can raise uh, and tie together this rotation. You all know also, if you listen to this podcast before, I love that I, that I love Cam Whitmore. Like Cam Whitmore is my number three prospect on my big board. That's, uh, you know, he's kind of been falling and fluctuating throughout everyone else's big board, but I really love Cam Whitmore. Uh, I think for the Thunder specifically, uh, that that Walker and Dick fit the Thunder specifically better than Cam Whitmore do, uh, but I still love Cam, Cam Whitmore's game and what he brings to the table. Uh, Jet Howard is a guy that we looked at last week on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. You can go back and listen to that with Mavs Draft. Uh, Jet Howard, of course, would be an interesting target for somebody to use in OKC. And then... That's kind of like the range at five to ten, but like where they're at right now, uh, I would be interested in say uh, Tre'Davion Smith from uh, Smith from North Carolina State. I'd be interested in uh, Chris Murray from Iowa. Those are kind of some some standout draft prospect names that I really like. That we'll talk about a lot more throughout the off season, a lot more uh, in the coming weeks. Remember, we're Friday five days a week, including in the off season, so we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about the NBA draft with our good friend Mavs Draft, and just on our own talking NBA Draft. Uh, at Rob Rash, what would you think if the Thunder draft Reese Walker in the first round of help Chet Holmgren with bigs and move Jacob to the three, and would you move Dort off the bench? Uh, so with Walker, I think that there is, you'd be hard-pressed as we talk about, you know, finding Chet Holmgren's uh, post-buddy down there. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone that fits with Chet Holmgren better than Jarese Walker. That's why a big reason why I'm very high on him. Because I think, I think that his fit, Walker's fit, with Holmgren is almost seamless and is almost perfect uh, for OKC, which is why I'm really high on him. So, yes, I think that he fit great with Chet Holmgren. As far as the starting lineups go, and we're going to tie this in with another question, a lot of people have asked uh, in this in these last two mailbags, is Lou Dort losing his starting spot? Uh, our, guy, uh, our guy Colin Reed as well asked about this. The starting stuff just it doesn't matter in the sense of like I'm buying the company Kool Aid of like they don't really care who starts they don't really care uh, who gets their name announced by the PA address announcer right before the game and the music's going the crowd's hype uh, players probably do care about that but like the Thunder don't and they care more about who's going to be closing games for them and you know if you draft even Jerry Walker does it really matter if he has a start next to him if he's playing the most minutes and, and it's him and J-Dub and Chet and Giddy and SGA playing the most minutes? Does it really matter who is the official starter uh, in, in that starting five? Maybe it does. Uh, but uh, I more look at this in terms of, like, what would their best lineup be? Like, what like whenever you're maximizing their lineup, who would be the best player? Because I'm not sure what all would go into consideration of starting. Because there is some, uh, there, there, there is some like, veteran 
seniority ship. There is some um, managing personalities of like who would care about starting, who wouldn't care about starting uh, and all of this that, that go into like who's the first five out there. But like who would be the best lineup? I think your best lineup once these guys progress would be SGA, uh, Giddy, J-Dub, Walker, Holmgren. Uh, but I think that we also still undervalue Ludor a lot. Like whenever the whenever times are going really good for Ludor, everyone loves to tweet out Dort and tweet out some memes about Dort. Whenever times are middling or going bad for Ludor, everyone jumps ship immediately. Uh, you kind of ride the roller coaster a lot as a fan base with Ludor. Uh, but I think that we kind of undersell just how valuable that he is as a tone setter and as somebody who brings the intensity. And so why wouldn't she want to start out with a guy that does that? Whenever, again, you can even out the minutes later on. You can start with with Dort, let him set the set the intensity, and then at the end of the game, you look up and he hasn't played as many minutes as, as Walker has, for example. Uh, that's kind of how I think that this will all go for OKC. Uh, at uh, Clement, which veterans should OKC add to this core? Uh, I'm not sure that they're going to be in veteran acquisition mode yet uh, this off season, but it's also hard to find guys that um, wouldn't fit necessarily like like if if the thunder bring in a guy for example uh, they will have talked to that player they will have told that player what their expectations would be of that player and what his role would be uh, for that player to where if he agreed to that role uh, then then he'd fit perfectly in this versatile roster uh, like you're not going to bring in a guy that that does not want to buy into what the thunder are are doing currently it would just be a waste of your assets waste of your time to where if you got that sign off, it's it's easy then to then like maneuver guys around this very versatile roster. So we'll talk about that more as like names truly pop up in the offseason. But uh I think that this that the veterans is kind of the the right realm to look at. I'm not sure that they're gonna need a big splash or a big fancy like trade that goes all in that kind of makes all of our collective jaws drop. I think that the more so the move that they need to make, um, either this offseason or next offseason, you know, one of the two would be like a veteran that ties in the rotation and that kind of puts a bow on this team building roster. Uh, someone that can take you to the next level. I, I look a lot at them at the Grizzlies. Like the Grizzlies didn't go trade for Donovan Mitchell. They traded for Steven Adams and Steven Adams has been, has kind of overhauled what they were able to do these last couple of seasons. And so I, I think that a move like that uh, would be more beneficial to OKC rather than like an all in move on a superstar. Uh, so, so continue to look on that path and we'll do that a lot in the off season as well. Uh, the last question before we get to a break is from Adam underscore Christ underscore boy. A friend of mine has cast Chet Holmgren fears onto uh, me as a skinny, tall, white fellow with toothpick, lower legs and ankles. Can you help dispel these fears? Uh, the first thing I'd say is to you and your friend, do, do, are you very high on Victor Mignogna? Like, are you very high that he's going to be incredible? Like, would you want the Thunder to then sell out and go get Victor Mignogna? I think that the answer to that is yes. Uh, the whole Chet Holmgren thing to me is is just really lazy to be completely honest with you, like find me the injury that can happen just because he's skinny. Like find me the injury that can happen because he's too skinny. Find me the player that is just going to lower the shoulder and, and bump him off a spot every single time down the floor. Find me the, in, but, but, but more so like the injury part of this, like the injury he sustained in August is not because he was skinny. It was because, you know, he leaned too far forward on his foot and it was a, a freak injury that happens to even Julio Jones in the NFL. Like, like find me the injury that is only because he's skinny. There isn't one. There just isn't. And so with Chet Holmgren, he's either going to get hurt again and people are going to say, well, see, I told you he's injury prone or he's never going to get hurt again and nobody's going to be apologetic about casting him as injury prone. They're just going to move on with their life and find another narrative to then spill about him or another player. But in terms of like injury risk, 
then why aren't you fearful and shaking in your boots about Victor Mignogna? They're the same frame. In fact, when Mignogna is taller, and, and, and we always talk about how, how big, tall guys are injury-prone, Victor Mignogna is like 7'5". So, like, this is this whole idea that, that Chet Holmgren will be injury-prone is ridiculous, mainly because... None of us are doctors. We don't really know if one injury leads to another in, or this injury is going to lead to another injury uh, in the sense of, like, if Chet Holmgren gets hurt, knock on wood next year, does it have anything to do with his August injury or not? Also because Chet Holmgren has never been hurt in his career except for in August, whereas Victor Mignogna has dealt with a lot of injuries uh, here and there uh, throughout, his, throughout his basketball career. And we don't have those same sort of concerns about him uh, necessarily for, for by and large, as NBA fans. But I, I just, I don't know what's, I don't know what the point of it all is for Chet Holmgren. We all acknowledge he's very talented. And if you're holding out because you are afraid he's going to get hurt, you're just doing that based upon what you see and not based upon facts. Like, if he was seven foot feet tall and 255, you know, or, or you know, whatever it would be, like, you know, 275, 300 pounds, you'd also say that he'd be injury prone because of his size at that point, too. So, like, you're going to say he's injury prone no matter what. And he's either going to get hurt or he's not. There's only two options that are going to happen here. And so it, 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 it's just ridiculous what we do with Chet Holmgren. It really is. Like, find me the injury that will happen because of his frame. There just isn't one. It's basketball injuries that it will happen to him, if they happen to him. That could happen to any player of any stature, of any size, of any, you know, ilk. The Liz Frank injury... Happened to Julio Jones, who no one would argue is built any sort of awkward way. In fact, many would argue he is built to the peak athletic ability. It can happen to anybody. It, it will happen to anybody. And we're just going to play the results on all this. So why not admit that up front, right? If Chet Holmgren never gets hurt again, then the people who are not concerned about his injury history will then take victory laps upon victory laps upon victory laps. If Chet Holmgren does get hurt again, people that were very concerned about his injury history are going to take victory laps upon victory laps upon victory laps without really knowing if it was truly because of his frame or just because, hey, some guys get hurt and some guys don't. LeBron James goes 50 years of playing basketball with never, by never getting hurt, whereas Greg Odom couldn't stay healthy. And sometimes that just happens. Sometimes that's just life. But, but again, to just forecast it is pretty silly because we don't do this to any other player. We don't look at Scoot Henderson and go, ah, you know, I think he's going to get hurt a lot. We're just doing it because it looks funny. He looks funny. That's the only reason why. That's not a good enough reason. It's just not. Especially, again, for a guy who's never been hurt until August. Up until August at a clean bill of health. You can't say the same for Victor Mignogna. But yet everyone is salivating over Victor Mignogna. Rightfully so. He's a great player. I would love Victor Mignogna also. I'm not I'm not concerned about him either. But I'm just saying it's funny how one guy is concernable, one guy isn't. And maybe that will happen to Victor as the draft process continues. But that's kind of my biggest selling point of like why you shouldn't be concerned is because we just don't know, frankly, and also because you're also very excited about Victor Mignogna. And he arguably has an even more difficult frame to manage because he's 7'5", 7'6", 7'7". Uh, whatever he, his height ends up being. So it just is what it is at that point. Uh, next questions coming up are going to be about Ben Simmons in a trade, Luka Doncic, the next disgruntled star, and can this Thunder team be a tough out for a top seed in the West this year? We'll talk about all of that coming up on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. 
Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who can help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your next listen, check out the Locked In NBA podcast and the Game to Game podcast, which is a 15-minute or less recap show from around the association from the night before. Check that out over there with the Game to Game podcast. The next question comes from at uh, Joe Paolo. How many picks would OKC ask from the Nets to absorb the Ben Simmons contract this offseason? Um, a lot. <laughs> a lot of picks. Because Ben Simmons is a net negative. Ben Simmons does not at all fit what OKC wants to do. Ben Simmons is not at all a player that really even has a pathway to reclamation, in my opinion. However, the thing that why I would not just immediately dismiss this notion is because it's a thunder of a ton of, of salary cap this offseason. And not a ton of things to do with it, right? Like, there's no free agent out there that the Thunder are going to just be dying to throw a max contract at. Uh, trading for OG and OB or like Pascal Siakam, like that stuff... While theoretically possible, I don't think like it truly moves the needle a ton when you consider what you have to give up to do it. Uh, whenever you could just, whenever you kind of just want to see this roster fill out and like see this roster develop. For example, Pascal Siakam, great player. Are you for sure comfortable and confident that he fits with Chet Holmgren to where you could trade for Pascal Siakam and then that, that fit is just terrible and you've given up a ton of assets to go get Pascal Siakam. You've given up uh, your salary cap to go get Pascal Siakam. You've given up your long-term flexibility to go get Pascal Siakam, and it just doesn't work. I mean, look at Cat and Rudy Gobert this offseason. Like, that could happen. Like, like these things and pairings down low specifically are tricky and hard to mesh, especially if you've never seen Chet Holmgren play in the NBA yet. And so patience will be a key for OKC. But at the same token, Sam Presti is not just one to waste an opportunity or a resource to get better. And so if if you can take on Ben Simmons in that salary cap and you have nothing else to use it for, and then immediately kind of buy him out and like kind of uh, try to figure out a way to, to, to manage the salary cap and still keep that um, still keep that flexibility long term, whereas just zapping your zapping your salary cap for the short term of this offseason, where you're going to project to have a top 10 salary cap space in the NBA. Uh, maybe. The problem is that that Ben Simmons is going to have money in the books next year and the year after to where that's just not a realistic pathway to then use that that dry powder on, so to say, of the salary cap. So it just it would be too complicated, in my opinion, to, to get that all to work out. Uh, also, another question, is Luka Doncic the next disgruntled star? Uh, to me, it's, he's not. To me, the next disgruntled star is Trey Young. Like, I think that that can come at any point. I, it could come tomorrow. It could come this summer. It could come in August. It could come in October. It could come at any time now. Uh, he's got his second coach fired in Atlanta. Um, he's posting pictures on IG of him and a Steve Nash jersey, which can really 
only mean one of two things. Like I think that Trey Young is a very calculated individual on social media. Like I think that he understands and is brand aware of how of how influential he is and how uh, people are going to read into every little thing that he does. And to post yourself in a Suns jersey where you have two different pictures of the Steve Nash nameplate in it, you either want Steve Nash as the next coach or you want to play for the Suns. Uh, that's just what I think is the message there. And maybe we are all reading too much into it, but I think that Trey Young is aware of that, that we're going to read too much into it and is doing it for a purpose, but maybe he's not. Uh, I, I just don't think that the thing is working out there in Atlanta for Trey Young or for the Hawks. And I think that uh, Trey Young would rather uh, move forward and move on, and and we could see that happening this summer. As for like if this question is driven toward like with the Thunder then pounce on that guy, I, I don't think that Trey Young fits OKC. I think that Trey Young's a great player. I think that Trey Young uh, deserves a fresh start and like could could really use a fresh start in a different city, and different organization. He also could just turn things around Atlanta, no problem, and then be a great player in Atlanta. Like if he was to move on, I don't see the fit there because he doesn't play defense and because uh, at that point you'd have SGA, you'd have Josh Giddy, you'd have Trey Young, you'd have all these guys who you would need to uh, you would need to have the ball in their hands, or you'd have to trade some of those guys that, that really make this team work. And the lack of defense, just you're not going to really play for the Thunder and play for Mark if you can't play defense. So where that's just kind of a non-starter. But in terms of like who in the NBA I think is the next guy to move that can really shake up the league, I don't think it's Luka. I think it's Trey Young uh, for that question. And then we have a question from OKC uh, Woodker. Would you rather have Jay Will or Jeremiah Rapsnero long-term? Great question. I think that I think that this is a decision that the Thunder going to have to make, not next, not this offseason, but next offseason uh, for the team. And right now, I'm leaning towards Jay Will. Like, I really love what Jay Will brings to the table. I, I, and we'll see what Jeremiah Armstrong can do. I don't think that you should give up on him yet. Like, I think that he can still work back from his injury and become a really good player in this league. Uh, but Jay Will is just providing so much for OKC. And, and I think he more realistically fits the mold of what OKC wants to do long term than Jeremiah Armstrong just by a hair. And I mentioned this on draft night where Jay, where Jay Will and Jeremiah Armstrong make themselves very redundant. And it's going to be whoever performs the best that keeps their slot because they're just too redundant to keep long-term. And if you only get 17 roster spots, only 15 standard deals, of those 15 deals, you can't have two of the same players that, that where one is not appreciably better than the other. And so where, if they're the same, I think that you lean J-Will. I think they're going to be the same or J-Will being a little bit, little bit better even than J-R-E. Uh, to where J-R-E still is a very nice NBA career. Like, this is going to be one of the first moves where it truly is like, wow, this is the cost of doing business of rebuilding. Like, People tried to force and shoehorn that into Isaiah Roby last year. Like even my guy Keith Smith, like said, whenever that that Isaiah Roby got cut, he was like, "Oh, this is the price of rebuilding." Now you lose a great player, and Isaiah Roby is just not a great player, not a good player, not a, not a rotational player in the NBA at all. Uh, but Jeremiah Jay, Jay or Jay Will, whoever they move on from that couple of years, will be an NBA rotational player and will be somebody that that actually um, impacts this, you know their team in a long in a, in a in a great way. And while we wish it could be an OKC, there's just not enough roster spots to go around entirely. Uh, but this will be, I think those will be the first two guys that like, you have to make a decision on that can truly impact a team and impact them in a positive way and in a winning way um, in the future that you kind of have to move on from. But maybe they can both stick around. Who knows? I just think that it's going to be too redundant to keep both of them whenever you only have 15, 15 spots of a standard deal. Now, the last question from August. Do you think that the Thunder can be a dangerous team for a 1-2 seed in the West? If the Thunder make the play-in, if they make the play-in tournament and they, and they win the play-in tournament, I think that the center team can look a lot like Memphis did a couple of years ago. Remember Memphis in that first ever play-in? Uh, you know, they played Portland. They got into the big dance. They played the Utah Jazz. And they stole the game in Utah where Mitchell, I mean, uh, where uh, John Morant had that incredible dunk uh, where he's hanging on the rim. You know, I think he drove a baseline and just dunked it from the side and hung on the rim a little bit. Like, 
you know, they only stole one game, but they still were competitive night in and night out in that series, made the Jazz work, uh, and kind of announced themselves as a, as a young core. I would foresee that happening for OKC. If they make the play-in and they win the play-in tournament, I could see them playing a competitive five-game series, maybe pushing it to six games, uh, depending on who that number one or two seed would be in the Western Conference as this all shakes out. Obviously, the one seed is going to be Denver, uh, but if they play the two seed uh, and it's Memphis, uh, maybe you can you know steal a game or two. And even against Denver, maybe you can steal a game or two. I think that you can just steal a game at the Paycom Center because like fans are going to be incredibly loud and incredibly uh, awesome for their first playoff game back uh, in the spotlight, given what's happened in OKC, like given the the crap that Thunder fans have had to take over the last couple of years of being called the black eye of the league and stuff. Like I think it'll be, it'll be an awesome atmosphere in OKC uh, if they get a playoff game this season and you steal one, you feel really good. You head in the off season and uh, you dream about how much better this team will be with Chet Holmgren and all the moves they can make both with salary cap, with draft assets, with trading up in the draft, uh, with draft picks of their own. Like you just dream about all the different ways that this team can get even better after a really, really fun season. Should that all pan out? So does that count as like being being a, a tough team for a one or two seed or a dangerous team? It's up to you to decide if that counts. I think it would count in terms of like you grind out five or six games of competitive basketball, but still move on. It's kind of the most test you can ask for in the modern NBA of like a a, a one eight or a two seven matchup. Let me know what you think. Again, will this team be in the play in, and will they win the play in on the Lockdown Thunder YouTube channel comment section down below or on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Until tomorrow, whenever we recap this incredible jazz game, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.